0: Hey, wrestling fans, if you're listening to this, you're listening to the latest episode of the Wrestling Time Machine Podcast. Before we dive into the show, Leith and I want to give you a chance to figure out where you can find us on social media. You can follow the Wrestling Time Machine Podcast on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the wrestling time machine. You can follow the Wrestling Time Machine Podcast on Twitter the at handle is at w-r-e-s-t-l t-i-m-m-a-c-h you can also just search the wrestling time machine podcast on twitter you can follow the wrestling time machine podcast on tumblr if you want to be a part of the show and let us know what you're watching or what you think of a particular event we're about to watch you can email the show at the wrestling time machine at gmail.com we will read your emails live on the show you can also donate to the show. You can help support us at Kofi.com. That's ko com forward slash the Wrestling Time Machine. Want to get some merch for your donation? You can support the show by finding us on T Public under Bobby F07. It's all lowercase. We have a couple shirts up there. We always have more uh, coming up. You can leave us a review on iTunes if you want to help support the show for free. That really helps us out. That means more people see us, and that means we get to have more cool guests on. You can also check out the other shows that we do at nerdpickstrangers.com forward slash listen, including Nerdpick Strangers and Pokemon Mind and Body. Leah, where can people find you on the internet?
1: You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, both of those are now at Leah underscore gray, that's L-I-A-T-H underscore G-R-E-Y mm-hmm. I have a uh, silly toy blog the Dinosaur Toy Adventure on Instagram as well Dinosaur underscore Toy underscore Adventure, and if you are interested and you search Leith Gray on Amazon, I have two short stories available at the moment uh, Talia and Anna's Obsession they're a dollar apiece
0: and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so check those out. You can follow me on Twitter at SpaceKingBobby. You can also follow me on Tumblr at SpaceKingBobby's blog, SpaceKingComics. And I think with that, I think we can start the show. Welcome, wrestling fans, to the latest episode of the Wrestling Time Machine podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Bobby Fisher, and as always, on the line with me is my wonderful co-host, Miss Leith Gray.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Hello! It's a beautiful 80-degree fall day, (laughs) because we have destroyed the planet that we live on, and we are going to be talking about WCW December 1995, and... What a month, and it has, honestly, it's, it's been a minute since we've actually recorded, like, a month episode with everything going on. Uh, yes. Leaf, what have you been up to?
1: I've been watching a ton of movies.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: What? I, I've been, uh, drawing... <laughs> Every every day.
0: That sounds uh, like fun.
1: Started writing again, playing a lot of video games. Still, Honestly, not watching a lot of wrestling. I've been kind of avoiding it a little bit.
0: Yeah. Okay. I can I can understand that.
1: Except uh, for the the old stuff, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I haven't watched this in uh, what? When did we start?
0: Oh, I don't even want to I think watched about this back that. In, like
1: February or March.
0: It's. It's been a while. (laughs) It's been, um, and the thing is, like, it's just one of those that, like, it feels like a lot longer, especially because of just how traumatic this year has been. Oh,
1: my goodness, yeah. Like, we talk about how uh, this year feels like, like, March feels like it was about six years ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Every week feels like a month.
1: Like, we'll be talking about something that happened, like, just last year, and I'm like, no, that was like ten years ago, wasn't it? Like, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah it's uh, it, it it's has, weird, it's a weird time to be alive. It is, and we have been, you know, I know, I know, I've been crazy busy, uh, ever since the uh, the the pandemic. I, I know you've had uh, your hands pretty full with some pirate adventures.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Now I'm a I'm a, like a teacher half the time I'm an well like an assistant teacher basically because yeah. of her being at home and and doing all of her classes via mm-hmm. the computer and then it's like oh, it's just it's crazy it's like I, I've stopped everything else pretty much but that's why <laughs> I've been like doing a lot of drawing and watching movies because it's like I can kind of sit there while she's doing what she's supposed to be doing and just make sure she like is behaving appropriately and whatnot, right? Not running around, or... paying
0: attention <laughs> in class.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is which is hard at, at that age in mm. general.
0: Oh sure, let yeah. Alone over the computer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's so much around her to distract her, and mm. then we have to. I have to keep the cat from entering her class because <laughs> he he likes to lay on the computer. <laughs> oh, is that right? And then the teacher will be like, oh, I see your cat. I'm like, oh, crap. I'll like, run in and get him. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
0: That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Lando is, is a helpful cat.
1: Yeah, he, he likes to lay next to her when she's taking tests because she gets stressed. So he's very observant in that regard.
0: Well, that might be the most wholesome thing we talk about during this entire episode. <laughs> That's just adorable. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been crazy, but you know, here we are, we are here to talk WCW December of 1995, which means, you know, when we're done with this and we're done with our, uh, upcoming WWE and ECW December 1995 episodes, that means we will have watched all the 1995 wrestling from the three major companies.
1: There's a lot of wrestling.
0: It's been a lot of wrestling.
1: And, and not much of it is great.
0: <laughs> a lot of it has not been great. <laughs> but that's okay, because this is fun. Uh, it Trauma brings people together. We're bonding.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, let's go ahead. Let's jump into it. Uh, we will... Hit the results of the first WCW Monday Nitro in December of 1995. And then we'll just kind of talk about it how we always do. So we have WCW Monday Nitro December 4th, 1995. Nielsen rating of 2.4. And compared to WWF Monday Night Raw, that's a 0.2 less The venue is the American West Arena in Phoenix, Arizona, and our matches for that night include a tag team match for the WCW World Tag Team Championships, Harlem Heat, Booker T, and Stevie Ray, of course with, uh, I believe, Sensational Sherry, or Sister Sherry, rather. Uh, They were the champions, and they defeated the American males, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. We have a singles match, Sting defeating Kurosawa. A singles match, The Giant, with Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan defeating Scott Norton. And a singles match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Lex Luger, with Jimmy Hart, defeats Randy Savage, the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, via DQ. So Savage retains. So, Leith, what uh, what do you remember about this episode?
1: I, I think I mean, for me, because I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but I'm also a basketball fan <laughs> and interested to being a wrestling fan. So having, like, all these members of, like, the Phoenix Suns, like, pop up, like, that was right. pretty sweet. Um,
0: <laughs> I
1: don't know. Like, that, that I think, excited me more than the wrestling. <laughs>
0: it's like, oh, basketball.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had Charles Barkley and, and mm-hmm. you had A.C. Green it's good times, you know. Barkley, of course. I mean, who doesn't love Barkley? He's ridiculous. Right. He's so great.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's uh, we'll we'll kind of go over the the show, uh, just sort of like a little recap as far as uh, you know. Oh yeah, the, the wrestling the,
1: part. <laughs> yeah, the
0: actual the actual wrestling part. So we start off again. we're, we're at the. American West Arena, Phoenix, Arizona, which they emphasize as the home of Super Bowl. Eh. <laughs> I can't. Pr- I can talk. I can talk fine. I'm a podcaster. It's the home of Super Bowl 30. Uh, and Bobby Heenan at the commentary table has a chip bag with a little tail on it, and it's moving. And he says these chips are for Pepe. They're Weasel Wafers. Oh boy. And uh, Pepe, of course uh, Steve Mongo McMichael's dog is there and he's dressed as a little angel because it's December, Christmas time. Uh.
1: <laughs>
0: and Eric starts promoting the main event for Star well, one of the matches for Starcade, which is a triangle match between Sting, Flair and Lex Luger at Starcade. With the winner getting a shot at the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. But this could all change because, of course, there's a World Heavyweight Championship match later that night. Now, apparently, the WCW Executive Committee flew in with Legal and Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan and the Giant. Those guys are all on probation because that's a thing in wrestling. Well, of course. Of course. Uh, so our our first match that we mentioned, you know, we get the American Males versus Harlem Heat, and Colonel Robert Parker's out, and he's got a big red present for Sister Sherry. And yeah,
1: I, I got real angry about this. I could see in my notes I was I was not happy. There's some curse words in there.
0: <laughs> because of course uh, this angle is just a little gross, but uh, that
1: going on way too long already.
0: Yeah, and that did not stop Sister Sherry and Colonel Parker from planting their lips on one another and sharing a big old smooch. Uh, apparently, the present that uh, Colonel Parker got for Sherry is a ring. Could wedding bells be in the future? Please no. Please yes.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> never.
0: Because if there's one thing that always goes well in professional wrestling, it's weddings.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. They, they go off totally fine, no issues.
0: Never a problem. Lovely. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I find it interesting that this is a championship match here. But like they do not care at all. Like all the attention is on Sherry and, and Parker.
0: I even have a note here that says Leith. I'm sure is thrilled about this new development. <laughs> uh, and Booker T uh, at some point in the in the course of the match hits something that's kind of a spinner Rooney. You know the the signature spit, but it's not quite like he hasn't perfected it yet. But uh, Bobby Heenan points out that you got to eat a lot of breakfast cereal to get a ring like what uh, Robert Parker got Sister Sherry. Leith, did you ever get any cool, you know, prizes or anything in your cereal?
1: Yeah. Yeah, like way back when.
0: Yeah? What way can you remember? Then. Like what what prize was the big one for you in your cereal?
1: Was there a big one? I'm trying to think. I remember I had so many of those spoons, like the color-changing spoons. You know, I
0: think I had one of those.
1: I I feel like they did that fairly often, so I think that's why it sticks in my head. Like, I still have some from, like, Star Wars cereal, like, not that long ago. Like, maybe 10 years back.
0: Like, I think I had a Ninja Turtle thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, I want to say... We can I'm trying to look some stuff up while we're while we're talking about cereal prizes uh, that's, not, that,
1: that's connected yeah awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: I definitely think I had one of those like color changing spoons
1: yeah that those are always fun because they're practical yeah you could actually use them then and then so- take on practical gifts that are also unique yeah that's like my thing.
0: And then, I think maybe at some point, I might have had the Ninja Turtle Bowl. Mm. Which, uh, you can you can Google that. It was, uh, it, the Ninja Turtles had their own cereal for a while. Of and course,
1: yeah.
0: One of them uh, came with like a bowl. It's like a big green bowl when it's supposed to be like, uh, it's actually kind of grim because it's a, like you're eating out of the, the hollowed out shell of a turtle. Um, mm, tasty. Yeah. maybe I'll get one of those next time we go to one of those uh, toy shows that we get up in Columbus uh, so S- Sister Sherry and Colonel Parker leave together and uh, Booker T, you know you mentioned basketball, Booker T of course is antagonizing A.C. Green who's in the front row of the crowd but Harlem Harlem Heat do get the win with the Harlem Hangover and then we go to Sting and Luger being interviewed by Mean Gene. Sting doesn't agree with uh, Luger's partnership with Jimmy Hart. But he does believe that his buddy has a chance to win the World Heavyweight Championship tonight. And Lex Luger, of course, agrees.
1: Yeah, they're, they're still like, we're BFFs, but we both want the title. That's <laughs> That's the story I'm getting. It's
0: such <laughs> a weird relationship that Sting and Lex Luger have, even right now, because it's like, we're best friends, but boy, my best friend is hanging out with the wrong crowd.
1: Sting hasn't given up on him.
0: Yeah. But it he, really... He'll, he'll see the light. <laughs> Maybe. Let's hope. Uh, <laughs> but it really should be a crime that anybody sticks a mic in front of Lex Luger because... Oh my gosh,
1: it's, yeah. It's, it's a it's painful so segment. Yeah. He just, he just awkwardly shouts about things. its It's great <laughs> not not the best promo work I've ever seen <laughs> uh,
0: of course uh, our next match that takes us into our next match sting versus Kurosawa and Colonel Parker is noticeably absent presumably uh, backstage uh, commiserating with sister sherry
1: yeah yeah well he he left earlier and they just they haven't come back
0: yeah <laughs> they're
1: where they've gone. I don't
0: want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, through through the course of the match, Bischoff says something that I thought was very strange. He says on commentary, we are live and in action while everyone else is paying bills. What does that even mean? Uh. 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 <laughs> like, I like, it's not a dig at, like, what?
1: I said, I can't quite decipher that one.
0: Yeah, like, it's not like a dig at at Vince or the WWF, you know, I don't, Eric, shut up. (laughs) Uh,
1: I I forgot what he was talking about halfway through, and just came up with something to finish, I guess, I don't know.
0: Like, paying bills is supposed to be a good thing. I mean, it sucks, but it's responsible.
1: Aye,
0: aye, aye. You know, you want to make sure you have electric, a roof over your head, water, Wi-Fi, the essentials. didn't
1: have Wi-Fi back then. It's 95.
0: Right. It would <laughs> If you were lucky, it was dial-up. Yes. And you could go to some, like... It's uh, cha- <laughs> not
1: that 95. Yeah.
0: You could go to a so- chat room and talk about uh, Captain Kirk or Captain Picard. Captain Picard. Picard is a better cap. We shouldn't get into this. That's not this kind of show. <laughs> but Steve Mongo McMichaels gives everybody an education, and he tells us that, in fact, it takes 14 pounds of pressure to break an elbow. Don't want to know no. how he knows that. Important information. But... Uh, now, y'all know that. 14 pounds. Uh, Sting gets the Stinger Splash and uh, follows that up with the Scorpion Deathlock for the win. And we and get.
1: Basically, I guess the idea is that, that Kurosawa can't do anything without Parker. Yeah. They lost without him. <laughs> he forgets how to wrestle.
0: <laughs> I don't know. He was working the left arm of Sting pretty good throughout the match. But it's a, you know, it's a solid Nitro match as far as that goes.
1: <laughs> even though the, I I think my most frustrating thing with WCW in general is you know who's going to win the second the match is announced.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: It's kind of like, all right, but like why even have these kind of matches? Like I thought <laughs> we were past this because that's kind of how it was during like, you know, the Saturday night stuff.
0: Oh, Leah, you thought but, we like, were done with we... squash matches.
1: Do they all have to be predictable? (laughs) Can I have some surprises? I mean, I know this is like a million years ago, but...
0: (laughs) You poor, sweet summer child. (laughs) I don't know. Like, Sting versus Kurosawa doesn't strike me as necessarily super predictable. Just because like they've at least built Kurosawa up to be enough of a credible threat to go in there and possibly hold his own against Sting. I mean, they they did have some some stronger matches with Kurosawa previous to this, you know, his match with uh, Road Warrior, I think it was Hawk. And you know, I I think they did the best they could to try to build him up. But you're right. I mean it's it's certainly not like a five star, you know, match to write home about or anything. Yeah. So after that, we uh, break from the action to get a Starcade promo, and they're uh, hyping the New Japan Professional Wrestling versus World Championship Wrestling tournament that they're gonna have at Starcade, and they call it an invasion from the land of the rising sun. And that hemispheres will collide as the high flyers of New Japan square off against the mat pounding pros of WCW. Uh, what do you, do you remember any of the Starcade promos that we that we caught during these nitros, Leah? No. No. Okay.
1: <laughs> My memory is not great, so sorry.
0: That's okay. Uh, We then get a WCW... And we
1: watched this a long time ago. (laughs) We did.
0: It's been a minute, you guys. Uh, We then get... I'm
1: glad I took fairly thorough notes,
0: though. (laughs) That's why we do that. Uh, We get a WCW Saturday Night promo, and we're promoting Disco Inferno versus Johnny B. Bad with Kimberly and Crispin Waugh and Flying Brian in tag action. Also, Hugh Morris. Uh, And a main event on Saturday night of Eddie Guerrero versus Big Bubba. Uh, We get uh, Scott Norton versus the Giant with the Taskmaster and Jimmy Hart out next. Mongo actually says that the Giant has twice the power of Andre the Giant. Interesting. Leah, fantasy warfare here. Who do you think would win in a match? The Giant or Andre the Giant?
1: Are we talking, like, at their, like, peaks?
0: Yeah, or <laughs> let's, say, let's say at their peaks.
1: Uh, you know, they, they would probably book Andre to win.
0: <laughs> I could see that, yeah. Uh, now, <laughs>
1: in fact, uh, uh, Scott Norton, uh, he's a world arm wrestling champ. Yeah. And he was yeah. in over the top. <laughs> so if you guys want to see a really good arm wrestling movie uh, with truckers and and stuff,
0: there's really only just the one.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's the best one
0: of that the, that genre. <laughs> I, I don't think there are any other films in that genre.
1: <laughs> there might be somewhere trucker arm wrestling movies. That's gotta be a thing.
0: Huh. <laughs> I don't think so. Terry Funk is in that movie too.
1: Was he? Mm-hmm.
0: He plays oh. a guy by the name of Rooker.
1: It's been a while since I've seen it.
0: I've never seen it.
1: Really? Well, there you go. You gotta, you gotta get on that.
0: Okay. It's,
1: it's a fun flick. It's not. I mean, it's terrible, but it's not like unwatchable. <laughs> it's pretty funny.
0: Uh so enough arm wrestling. Uh
1: <laughs> well it's a kind of wrestling, so it's a it, sort yeah, of track.
0: Yeah, it, it tracks. Scott Norton, like you said, is in the movie, so Yeah, yeah, we're good. Uh but Norton is actually pretty impressive here because he not only picks the giant up, but he actually manages to nail a stalling atomic drop on the giant. And that's that's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, they they made him look really good, to be honest. Yeah. They
0: both came
1: out looking pretty decent, considering it's a WCW match.
0: <laughs> and in talking about possibly going over the allotted time slot that WCW has, Eric Bischoff says that the C in WCW apparently stands for committed. Ah... Uh, so, World Committed Wrestling is now the the official name of the promotion. But Scott Norton goes for some sort of diving maneuver and gets caught in a choke slam for the win. And he says he's coming at uh, coming for the World Heavyweight Championship and spits at the camera. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, we then get Mean Gene introducing Ric Flair, but instead it's actually Charles Barkley. What a twist!
1: They look so similar, too, you
0: know. Yeah, could be brothers. (laughs) Uh, Flair talks about how if Hogan and Savage don't leave him alone, uh, Charles Barkley might be the next four horsemen. I don't know. Leith, do you think Charles Barkley could hang out with the four horsemen?
1: Yeah, why not?
0: Okay. I don't know a whole lot about basketball.
1: I think it would be a good fit. I know. As far as, like, you know, like, I don't know, jamming and stuff. Like, hanging out and partying in, in, in that way.
0: <laughs> the, the extent of my basketball knowledge goes to about Space Jam. And that's, <laughs> that's it.
1: That's pretty good, though.
0: Yeah, Space Jam is great. I'm sure my wife is shaking her head right now. because I'm talking about Space Jam. But, enough about Space Jam. Uh, Mongo says that uh, Charles Barkley, if he's going to hang out with the four horsemen, they're a pretty lame bunch. Uh, Lex Luger comes out with Jimmy Hart, and in the time that uh, Jimmy Hart had backstage, he was able to change jackets. Because, of course, Jimmy Hart always just... Going that extra step further with the wardrobe. Uh, we get Savage out. Uh, Randy Savage comes out, and uh, I believe they get uh, their match underway. Luger's playing the cowardly heel real well. Uh, Savage strikes the ref after going for an eye gouge or eye poke, and throughout all this, it's really you know I don't know if it was because they had a whole lot of basketball guys there, and by whole a whole lot I mean you know two. <laughs> I, I don't know if if it's because of that or some other reason but Bischoff keeps using the word play like when talking about the action in the ring and I, I was just wondering like maybe if he's intending to use like that verb the way that you know you would use it like in a sports commentary context uh, as as the match continues uh, Jimmy Hart takes the turnbuckle cover off. Savage drives Lex Luger's head into it. Luger falls back into the ref, and of course, ref goes down. Savage goes up top for the elbow drop, but uh, instead goes after Jimmy Hart. He sort of switches gears there and goes after Jimmy Hart. Flair gets in the ring and manages to sucker punch Randy Savage with some knuckles. And Jimmy Hart rolls Luger back on top of Savage. Flair gets his... those
1: matches that just... Falls apart into chaos.
0: You know, and it's like, for being... Sorry, go ahead, you go first. uh,
1: uh, They always, like, overbook these, like, finishes, and it Mm. drives me nuts. It's like, does there need to be, like, like every episode end with, like, 8,000 people running out? Like, I feel like it happens, like, all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, for being on probation, Flair and Hogan and the giant are all still, you know, there. It's uh it's not real clear what uh what the consequences of this probation are, what the restrictions are. Uh but Flair makes his way back up to the entrance ramp and backs right into Hulk Hogan. Hogan chases Flair into the ring and Hogan attacks the referee. Referee calls for the bell. Uh, Hogan Noggin knocks Lex Luger and Jimmy Hart, which is always a fun spot. Yeah, doing the whole coconut smash with uh, with two people.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And Hart sells like a champ, too. Jimmy Hart, like, flies out of the ring after this. And as all this is going on, uh, he's winding up for a big punch on Luger. And Sting... Comes out like you said, Leith. We gotta have you know a couple dozen people in the ring, and Sting gets in the way and eats the punch. Yeah, yeah. Hogan's trying to explain. Sting is shoving Hogan. Sting, mad. Like, I don't. Sting, what what do you want here? What is like? How can you keep defending Luger like this? it baffles the mind uh, what did you think of this ending here Leah? That's, i get chaotic. so like,
1: frustrated with these yeah cuz it's like it's like i guess i get it cuz it's like they're doing story stuff and all that but it just seems so messy like you
0: would like, rather have
1: another, it's like they can't think of another way to do these spots and to get these stories going
0: yeah, like you would rather have a clean finish. Or at least something that isn't as overbooked. Right? Yeah.
1: Just anything that would be different than, like, everybody coming out and just bursting into chaotic nonsense. Yeah. It's like they, they do that with Dungeon of Doom, they do that with, light. like, it's like everybody. It's like every time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's certainly a, a very specifically a WCW trademark, and I think it's also maybe sort of a trademark of maybe that sort of southern wrestling kind of style. I mean, it definitely sort of like uh, sort of seeps into maybe like the the WWF a little bit, but we're definitely not seeing that as much in the in the WWF stuff that we're watching, right? I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, now, as all this is going on, Randy Savage is trying to keep the peace between Hogan and Sting. Uh, we get Mean Gene out, and he's in there with uh, Randy Savage, Hogan, and Sting. And Hogan's not worried about probation, but what side is Sting on, brother? And Sting says he's on Hogan's side. Uh, Sting, you just got mad at the man for punching him, for punching you, because he was trying to, to punch Lex Luger, who was cheating in his match. I get, Whatever you say, Sting. Uh, he says he's trying to set Luger on the straight and narrow, and Hogan and Savage, you know, they're talking, and they say that Savage called Luger's betrayal, and he did Savage had it right.
1: Savage knows what's up, man.
0: Catch me in a Randy Savage was right shirt. Uh, He's always right, man. Yeah. Always. Always. This is a Savage household. (laughs) Uh, Sting talks about how, well, you know, maybe Lex Luger has a shorter fuse and that Savage and Hogan didn't give Luger the chance he felt he deserved and Luger was on y'all's team at war games how much more of a chance do you need right <sighs> what, what do you think do you think Lex Luger was given a, a good opportunity
1: <laughs> too much of an opportunity <laughs>
0: sting says good that
1: aspire th- him <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sting says that they should keep their eyes on Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and Hogan agrees, but asks Sting to keep Lex Luger out of his face. Sting says he will, and we end the show in the commentary booth promoting Starcade and the following week's Monday Nitro. So Leah, any, any wrap ups you got for that particular episode?
1: No, that was I mean, that's about it. That's about it. Okay. Pretty standard stuff. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, that takes us to the next week. So, Leah, hit us with those results. And so
1: we got December 11th, 1995, a Nielsen rating of 2.6 compared to WWF Monday Night Raw's 0.1 more. We are in the Independence Arena in Charlotte, North Carolina. Woo! Woo! Uh, Singles match, Eddie Guerrero defeats uh, Mr. JL. Singles match... Paul Orndorff defeats Disco Inferno. Thank goodness. Singles <laughs> match, you got Lex Luger with Jimmy Hart defeating Jim Duggan. Uh, tag team match of Hulk Hogan and Sting defeating Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. I have a special note at the top of this episode that just says worst episode ever.
0: <laughs> really?
1: So apparently this episode made me extremely angry back in February when I watched it. <laughs>
0: Would you say, do you think it was worse than Sister Sherry and Colonel Robert Parker?
1: Apparently I did, yeah. I was not pleased with this episode. Okay. I think a lot of it was just that there was a lot of matches I did not care about, and then when I did, they just like started in the middle of the match. Mm. Okay. Because they didn't even, like, I don't know, they didn't give them an entrance, they didn't air the beginning of the match, they just kind of cut to the middle of Guerrero versus uh, Jerry Lynn. Yeah. I was like, really? <laughs> but then, like, that match, too, I expected to be really good, but the pacing was really odd to me. Okay. So I just, like, overall just did not enjoy the whole episode.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, let's, uh, let's jump into it. So, we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, the home of NASCAR, per Eric Bischoff. Uh, and we've got Mongo and Pepe dressed as bikers. I love Pepe. <laughs> he is clearly the highlight of the whole show.
1: How good was he to like just sit and chill and like let him get dressed up and be on camera and
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's one of them little little shaky dogs anyway, but he,
0: he is definitely what I would call a purse dog.
1: It, yeah, it's some kind of chihuahua or something related to the Chihuahua. I'm not exactly sure.
0: It is 100% not at all the type of dog I would expect to see Steve Mongo McMichael with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He'd have to be very careful not to like sit on
0: Pepe. (laughs) Uh, well let's, let's keep going. Uh, we're talking about uh, the beginning of the show, and they're promising that Sting and Hulk Hogan will take on Ric Flair and Arn Anderson in the main event. And Heenan talks about, you know, whether Sting and Hulk Hogan can trust each other course, Bobby Heenan is always stirring the pot any chance he gets. Like you mentioned, we start off with Mr. JL versus Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Bischoff takes this opportunity to talk about the WCW World Cup of Wrestling at Starcade, saying that Guerrero will be competing as part of that. Uh, he says that uh, WCW taking on New Japan at Starcade, it won't be a cake walk, but maybe a rice cake walk. Uh, that it's a it was a bad joke in 1995. So just think about how bad of a joke it sounds like in the year of our Lord 2020. <sighs> Almost 25 years later, <laughs> I can't believe we do this. uh but Bobby Heenan is also taking this opportunity to talk about his Japanese dealings, saying that we Americans may be in trouble. Uh, Bischoff is trying, you know, even though he, he made that really bad joke, he's at least trying really hard to actually call moves in the in the match. Uh, of course, Heenan derails that, speculating that JL stands for just lucky. Uh Bischoff's still promoting, you know, the the big matches at Starcade. Guerrero gets a very confusing pin to end the match, and JL helps with that pin, like, a lot.
1: Yeah, it just, I don't know, the whole match just, like, felt
0: off. Like, maybe there wasn't some clear communication between the two of them or something.
1: Yeah, I don't know, like, like I kept saying, like, uh, like the pacing was really strange. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, in some spots, it got, like, really sluggish. So, I don't know if somebody was, like, hurting at some point, or maybe, like, a little, got a little conked. I don't know what happened there, but it just, it the whole match felt really odd. Mm. And that's not what I would expect from those two.
0: Yeah, so from was, those two together, much less.
1: Yeah, it was very, it's just a strange matchup. Like, I don't know what happened, but it didn't feel like what I was expecting or mm-hmm. anticipating. And it was just, like, it's... Weird to begin with, because, like, they didn't get entrances. They didn't get to the start. We didn't get to see the start of the match. Right. But yet they're the first match on, so it's like... Mm -hmm. They're they're starting the show, but then they're like, like, I don't know. It was just weird. It's
0: it's a very weird thing to do that. And I think what we were probably seeing is, you know, WCW probably started their Nitros off maybe with, like, a dark match or two. Mm Mm-hmm. And, again, this match just kind of started at a weird time on the card. And they just went with it.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't know. It was weird. It was weird. Odd.
1: It kind of started the whole episode off kind of wonky, I would say.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it certainly starts it off a little wonky. But that's okay, because we're going to get not wonky with a segment that I'm sure you loved. And that is another Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger interview. Yay. Thankfully, Jimmy Hart uh, does a little bit more of the talking, and he says that Lex Luger is the uncrowned WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Of course, referring back to uh, Lex Luger's opportunity against Hulk Hogan a few months back, Uh, Luger... Uh, tries to cut a promo himself and stumbles over saying WCW. Yep. And
1: are we surprised?
0: Not at all. <laughs> we
1: Sorry, Luger fans.
0: Yeah. Uh, we then get the same, uh, <laughs> s- what was that? So I don't know why you would be a Luger fan, but I'm, I know there are a few. Everybody is somebody's favorite wrestler. If it's Lex Luger for you, I'm confused but happy for you. Uh, we then get the same Starcade 1995 promo, uh, and we go to Disco Inferno versus Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: I I literally just started with, like, I hate this. (laughs) And I was like, Paul is getting close to retirement, and it shows, and Disco is just garbage.
0: Yeah, because you can really notice the uh, muscular atrophy in Orndorff's arm.
1: Yeah, he's not
0: looking so spry. Mm -mm. Uh, Not
1: that he still can't go, but it's like...
0: He does get a dancing elbow drop in this match.
1: I was just glad that, that Paul won. I was rooting for him. <laughs> well, but, I mean, I would root for anybody against Disco Inferno, to be yeah. honest. Just, I, I would probably even root for Luger over Disco Inferno.
0: <laughs> 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 uh, the, the match ends really kind of, you know, speaking of, of the way uh, Orndorff wins, again, it's something kind of like the last match where the Wayne is a little, again, just kind of wonky. Orndorf wins with a leverage pin with one foot on the rope, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Disco, at this point, like, the way the pin goes, Disco Inferno should have gotten a rope break. Like, uh, Nick Patrick should have seen Orndorf's foot on the rope. And right. just ignored it.
1: No, he totally didn't see it. <laughs> Blind in that eye, yeah. Or
0: something. That's that's it.
1: <laughs> Just that moment.
0: I'm I'm sure that's exactly what it was.
1: He is mildly blinded for that match, I guess.
0: <laughs> so we uh, after that we get uh, the four horsemen out, uh, flying Brian Pillman, the enforcer Arn Anderson, and of course the Nature Boy Ric Flair.
1: Woo! And obviously, the four horsemen cannot count. <laughs> uh, this is something that has bothered me for, for quite a while.
0: Leah's sitting at home, mouth full of popcorn, hand on the remote. There's only three of you. <laughs> There's no truth in this art.
1: Maybe they're just counting Flair's ego as a separate entity. don't <laughs> no. no.
0: Well, we did see that Pillman and and Benoit were teaming up on Saturday night. So, I don't know if uh, Benoit was being considered a horseman at this point, though. Right,
1: right. I don't think he was. Because they talk about uh, Orndorff saying he could have been one of the four horsemen. seems like they're almost like... Scouting at this point to find their, their fourth member.
0: Exactly, and Pillman does cut a really good promo saying, like you said, Orndorff, you know, at some point could have been could have been a horseman, but right now he's a part of the psychic grieve network, spilling his guts to Gary Spivey and Dion Warwick for four ninety five a minute. Leah, have you ever called one of those psychic hotlines? No, but I remember
1: seeing the ads for them when I was younger. My brother doing like terrible impressions of (laughs) them.
0: Look, we all did bad impressions of Miss Cleo that I'm sure we all regret. Uh, But you
1: had to, because it was so
0: absurd. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine anyone calling one of those.
1: They did. They worked, man. Really did. some people wanna know. I'm
0: I'm in the wrong business. I should go back in time and open one of those those hotlines and charge right. people five dollars a minute.
1: They had all those like nine hundred numbers where you could call like celebrities and stuff. hmm We had to get those blocked because my brother kept calling Alyssa Milano.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs>
1: Like, I don't know what they, like, like what those things were. Like, did they, like, just have pre-recorded messages? Or yeah, or I think they
0: were, like, like, pre-recorded. Um, But that's that's very... That's a little adorable, and I'm sure a little embarrassing for your brother. Oh. Uh,
1: I think he thought it was funny. Yeah. I don't think he was, like, embarrassed by it. I don't think he did it for, like... I think he did it to be obnoxious, <laughs> to be honest. Because <laughs> that's... That's more his way. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, but that's that's great. Um. But uh, no, yeah, I never never called anything like that. But God, can you imagine the money they must have made?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. So it's like they charge per
0: minute. Per not like minute.
1: Per hour, like back then, like. I think when I first start working, I got paid like five fifteen an hour. <laughs> is like minimum wage. Yeah. So uh, they're getting that like a
0: minute. <laughs> a minute. The audacity.
1: That's crazy.
0: <laughs> uh, Flair starts to cut his own promo, but uh, you know this all of Brian's uh, trash talking brings Paul Orndorff out. And Orndorff says he has a lot of respect for Ric Flair and Arne Anderson. And he does say he, he thinks he could have been a horseman. Pillman says that Orndorff has reached a high level of mediocrity. Arne interrupts and says that Pillman just has a bad temper. Again, we're just kind of like scratching the surface of Pillman sort of being this loose cannon. Uh, Orndorff says that if Pillman likes carrying bags and shuffling the horsemen around, then sure, he's a horseman, and that's the only reason he is one. Brian Pillman, ooh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a burn. That is a burn if there ever was one. But, uh, Pillman responds in kind, slapping Paul Orndorff, and they start scrapping, they start fighting, they, uh, start brawling. Uh, this winds up with, uh, Anderson pulling Orndorff off of Pillman and holding him so Pillman can punch him right in the solar plexus. And Anderson and Flair nail a spike pile driver on Orndorff on the concrete. Orndorff's not moving and I think they even get some ENTs out to uh, carry him off. And I think this is really the last we're going to see of Paul Orndorff.
1: He
0: did. Yeah. Sorry, R- man. Written off TV. We get uh, a promo for WCW Saturday Night: Sting versus Sergeant Craig Pittman, Flying Brian Pillman versus Johnny B. Bad with Kimberly, Alex Wright versus Bunkhouse Buck, and Eddie Guerrero in singles action. Uh, we get Lex Luger with Jimmy Hart versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Leah, uh, do you have any thoughts on this Lex Luger match?
1: Uh, basically, all I said was, I do not care about this match. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't like any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like one of those. Where I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens. It's like, I know what's gonna happen, but it doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: well, this this is this is a really good example of some good heel shenanigans. Uh, Duggan is, you know, living up to his uh, current WCW gimmick at this time and taping his fist. Uh, Jimmy Hart gets the ref's attention, and he has Duggan's, uh, you know, big two-by-four or whatever. Duggan goes over to to take care of Jimmy Hart, and Lex Luger nails him from behind with a forearm, knocking Duggan into the board. Luger capitalizes and takes that chance to get uh, Hacksaw up into the torture rack, and it's all over. Uh, so, any, any thoughts on those kind of heel shenanigans? I know you're a big, uh, big fan of those.
1: No, I just didn't like it. I didn't like the match. I didn't care. I didn't want to, I didn't want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did, like, I don't know. It just didn't matter. I just had no interest in it.
0: Okay. Okay, fair enough. I mean, it is Lex Luger.
1: Yeah, I got, I got real mad. And every time he does that rack, i like, ugh, I hate that move. <laughs>
0: A bit. So Eric Bischoff starts promoting Starcade again. And this is where, you know, it kinda hit me like the 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 idea of what was happening at Starcade. Luger and Sting both have to conceivably compete three times at Starcade. Right? Once in a match, uh you know, they, they each have matches in the WCW World Cup of Wrestling, right? And then they have the triangle match against one another and Ric Flair. And then if they win that, they then have, you know, a third match against Randy Savage. And Flair is the only one of those competitors who has the advantage of going in fresh, Certainly doesn't seem very very sporting, if you ask me. Right. Uh, Randy Savage also it seems
1: has standard though.
0: Yeah. Well, and Randy Savage also has to compete twice that night because he, uh, again, as we know, was scheduled to face off against Tenzin as part of the WCW World Cup of Wrestling. So it's a it's certainly a. a Big schedule commitment for three of those uh, particular wrestlers, but Ric Flair again he gets to he gets the advantage of going in fresh. Uh, you know, speaking of Savage, he does a quick interview with Mean Gene talking about his upcoming defense against the Giant and that he's going to be like dynamite. And we get a Randy Savage Slim Jim commercial because those are always great. Uh, very true. Now, earlier in the night, uh, they were talking about how there hadn't really been much communication between Hulk Hogan and Sting, that they were even in separate dressing rooms. But we're gearing up for our main event, and Sting is the first one out by himself. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Hogan finally comes out. Uh, and joins his tag partner. And I thought this was really interesting. Hogan comes out, but Sting's music is still playing.
1: Yeah, Hogan Hogan seems very mad.
0: <laughs> Sting
1: didn't wait for him.
0: <laughs> like, they talked about this, man. Uh, but uh, the match starts off with Sting and Arn Anderson in the ring. And... Bobby Heenan brings up something I thought was really interesting, and and maybe just sort of like a little bit of a hint of sort of the darker side of Hogan that we're gonna get later in WCW, and that's that he says that Hulk Hogan is alone in WCW. Now, even though we've we've seen throughout this whole uh, this whole year that we've watched where he's got his sort of you know compatriots, Randy Savage, Sting for a hot minute, Lex Luger, he really does give off an energy of, like, I would rather be alone. Uh, do, do you think that?
1: Yeah, for the most part.
0: Yeah, because especially, you know, on, uh, on some of those early nitros, he was cutting those promos about, like, how, you know, you guys are my friends, but you're also, you know, ready to stab me in the back just because I'm the champion. Mm-hmm. It's that sort of like paranoia, kind of like, I don't know how long I can trust you. Kinda kind of vibe. Right. Uh, you know back in the ring we get some good action with Sting and Arn Anderson Sting manages to get an impressive gorilla press drop on Arn and Hogan with a couple cheap shots at Arn. Sting tags Hogan, and Anderson tags Flair. Flair does his signature whipped into the corner, goes to the outside apron spot, and runs into Sting, and Sting boxes his ears, and down to the outside, Flair and Sting go. That is certainly a hallmark of any any Ric Flair match.
1: Right, of course.
0: Uh, Now, with Flair and Sting on the outside, Anderson runs in to, to take on Hogan while Flair is disposed, and Hogan takes care of Anderson pretty quick. Flair gets back in, and he starts on the offensive. Mongo says that Flair is going to pummel Hogan like a red-headed stepchild. <sighs> Oof.
1: I remember that saying. Yeah. It's
0: around for a while. I don't yeah. know if people say it. It's, uh, you know, again, it's certainly one of those things that I definitely remember hearing and even using before. Uh, But it's not something that is uh, particularly uh, okay anymore. Uh, Don't beat your kids, I guess.
1: Even if they're not really yours.
0: Shouldn't even have to say that.
1: Like, just don't beat any kids.
0: Yeah. That's (laughs) That's a pretty good, like, you know, uh, Rule to live by. Uh, Now, (laughs) there is one really funny moment here. Speaking of Mongo, Flair gets Hogan into the horseman's corner, and he's just punching Hogan. He's just wailing on Hogan. And Mongo says that he's got a fist full of sharks. (laughs) Now, there is a turn of phrase that needs to catch on. All right. A Fistful of Sharks.
1: I want somebody to, like, draw that one up, because that sounds fantastic.
0: That sounds like it would be a bouquet of sharks. It's like teeny tiny sharks. I
1: was picturing, like, sharks coming out of your knuckles. You know, like, uh, instead of Wolverine claws, just, like, sharks.
0: (laughs) That would also be cool. (laughs) Somebody out there, draw it. We will definitely <laughs> feature it on the show's Twitter because that's both of those are amazing. Who doesn't want a shark bouquet? Uh, are
1: they? are they still alive? Can they breathe? You know? Are they okay? Um. Are they living sharks? Because I don't want like a dead shark bouquet.
0: That would be. You know that's fair, and that would be depressing. Uh, sharks are endangered. Let's say they have little uh, water helmets on.
1: There you go.
0: Reverse scuba. Uh, But Hogan eventually gets the hot tag to Sting And Bischoff takes this time to say that Sting is going to face uh, Kinsuke Sasaki at Starcade As part of that WCW World Cup of Wrestling But that New Japan Professional Wrestling is refusing To put up the WCW United States Championship As part of that match uh, Rick Flair tags Arn Anderson. Sting goes for the Scorpion Deathlock on Anderson, but Flair runs in and Hogan runs in. So again, we've got a little bit of an overbooked uh, finish here. The ref backs That
1: Ho- Never happens. Not, I can't believe it. Not in
0: WCW. <laughs> not ever. Uh, the ref gets Hogan back to his corner. Sting locks Flair in the Scorpion Deathlock for a second before Anderson nails the DDT while the ref is still dealing with Hogan. Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger come out. Jimmy Hart is distracting the referee. Arn Anderson starts taking it to Sting, while Lex Luger goes after Hogan. Luger locks Hogan in the rack, and Hart and Luger leave. Flair gets tagged in. Flair starts working Sting's knee. Anderson finally makes it back in, and uh, Sting makes it to his corner for a tag, but Hogan's still out because he got locked in the, you know, locked in the torture rack. So there's no one for for Sting to tag. Oh no. Oh no. Sting uh, finally manages to uh, get things kind of turned around in his favor because Flair locks him in the figure four. And Anderson is helping, you know, Flair with leverage, holding on to him, giving him a little bit more leverage. And Flair starts slapping Sting, but guess what? This just wakes Sting up. He fires back, and he drags Ric Flair, while they are still locked in the figure four, back to their corner, and gets the hot tag with Hogan. But the ref didn't see the tag, and forces Hulk Hogan out. Anderson comes in without even tagging while the ref's back is turned, but Anderson is allowed to stay in. That's, a, that's weird, right? I know we're, again, kind of making some exceptions for, like, trying to let the heels have their shenanigans and everything, but this is happening, like, right at the same time, sort of.
1: Yeah. I, uh, WCW is always really terrible with that
0: kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a a lack of consistency.
1: It's, yeah, it's... it's, Timing is bad with it and stuff, too.
0: Yeah. And and it's, like, it's one thing if they made, like, a tag noise. Like, even if just, like, Arn, you know, gave himself, like, a high five, right?
1: They made it seem like the the ref was in the pocket or something, you know? Yeah. Something to... So, give us a reason why it was okay for one, but not the other.
0: Yeah, give us some reason to kind of connect those threads. It,
1: it's like the the storytelling, like in matches, seems very lacking in yeah. W view.
0: And maybe that's because they didn't really have like a producer, or Bischoff maybe wasn't as involved in in the matches, sort of. I yeah,
1: I think the wrestlers would be able to at least piece something together that made some sense.
0: Yeah.
1: Well. Uh, I don't know how WCW was run. Yeah. As far as that stuff goes, I'm not sure. It's just very odd. <laughs> they do that a lot, though.
0: They do. But Hulk Hogan finally gets tagged back in and eats a spine buster from Arn Anderson. But Hogan gets right back up, brother. Uh, Anderson, he's looking proud. You know, he thinks he's got, uh, Hogan down because he got him with the spine buster and he's in his corner with Flair but Flair's trying to tell him that Hogan's up and right behind him Anderson turns around right into the big boot of Hulk Hogan and Hogan nails just the absolute worst big boot to Flair that uh, you know puts Flair out we're talking Diesel versus Psycho Sid bad big boots
1: that move can be, like, some, uh,
0: that move is hard, because it seems, like, so simplistic,
1: but it's, like, it can look so bad so easily.
0: It's one of those things where if the timing's off, it looks awful.
1: Yeah, like, you have to be, like, really, like, spot on with it. Like, it's mm. deceptively simple.
0: Yeah. But uh, Hogan manages to capitalize and nails the leg drop on Arnold Anderson and gets the cover. Sting gets in and hits Flair with the Stinger Splash. Hogan and Sting are your winners. As Hogan and Sting celebrate their victory, Brian Pillman comes out and is attacking Sting, and the numbers game just gets the better of them. Eventually, Lex Luger comes out with Jimmy Hart and Tony starts helping Sting. Uh, Luger then sort of like... Back Sting into a corner while the four horsemen triple-team Hulk Hogan. Like, no, 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 stay right over here. Just hang out. Are you trying to get past me? Is there something going on, you know, back here? I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, Sting finally gets out of the corner and starts helping Hogan. Savage at, uh, makes it out. And Sting mistakenly decks Randy Savage. Now, again, we're in a similar situation as the week before, only this time it's Hogan trying to keep the peace. Mean Gene comes out again, and actually at this point, we can actually hear some distinctive Hogan sucks chants from the crowd. So even by this point, you know, this is, uh, we're seven, eight months uh, still from Bash at the Beach, and the crowd Mm -hmm. has definitely turned on Hogan by this point.
1: And it's it's getting
0: more noticeable.
1: Yeah, he's getting tiring. Like, um, the fans are very heavily like
0: almost consistently
1: cheering st- for Sting over everybody else. You know.
0: Yeah, Sting is consistently over.
1: Uh. He he should have been the guy. Like, it, it's kind of frustrating that he wasn't the guy because, like, with the the way the fans were at this point, it was. If you're going sh- purely by like, I mean, as far as him being a worker, and then you have fan reaction and the fact that he's very loyal to the company as well, like he should have been the guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, Sting again, just consistently over. You know, and and like, I know you're you're not on Twitter as much anymore, but I'm I'm on Twitter pretty. Uh, frequently, And it's like, there's not a lot of love for Sting on Twitter for some reason. Aww. People are always just saying, you know, Sting was very much like a middle-of-the-road guy. And it's like, mm, I mean, maybe match-wise I could kind of see that. But, I mean, there was definitely a period where the iron was hot. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, not many people are re-watching things like we are. Yeah. So it's like kind of seeing it. Within the the period, mm-hmm. fairly fresh, and it's it's very obvious by crowd reaction alone that he's very much over. Whether he's the greatest in ring performer, whatever, like he he's money at this point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Sting says that you know he he wishes he could take stuff back. Uh, he wishes he could take that punch back. Peace is restored, and we we wind up closing the the show out that way. So, Leith, any any other wrap-ups before we move on to our next week?
1: Uh, no, because.
0: All right, well, that brings us to WCW Monday Nitro, December eighteenth, 1995. Nielsen rating of 2.7, and compared to WWF Monday Night Raw, that's a 0.4 more. Uh, The venue is the Richmond County Civic Center in Augusta, Georgia. Our match results include a singles match, Ric Flair defeating Eddie Guerrero, A singles match, Lex Luger with Jimmy Hart defeating Marcus Alexander Bagwell with Scotty Riggs. A singles match, Sting defeating Earl Robert Eaton with Jeeves. And our main event is a singles match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. The Giant with Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan defeats Randy Savage, your champion, via DQ. And of course, Randy Savage retains because it's a DQ victory.
1: Have they been dairy
0: queen <laughs> <laughs> well like, dq victory <laughs> you know normally dairy queen would be closed this time of year but because we have destroyed this planet dairy queens are pretty much open year-round anymore i guess that's one positive right uh sure <laughs> you know it's 90 degrees in october what would be nicer than a blizzard
1: Ha like a literal one. What was that? <laughs> Never mind. I'm I'm formulating jokes in my head that are not coming out of my mouth hole, so there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Leith, any, any thoughts on this particular episode of Nitro?
1: Ah, uh, how fun was it to see like the that Alundra Blaze moment like mm-hmm. Like in the episode that it happened, not just like in like a clip show kind of thing. Like I don't know, like that was really cool for me. Cause it's like yeah. I've seen that so many times, but it's so disconnected because I had never saw it within its original context. So like that was just a really neat moment for me as a fan to to see that like as it was as it actually like happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly a a very iconic moment in the Monday Night Wars, and I mean, it happens right at the top of the show, so let's just kind of jump right into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Right before that happens, you know, we're being introduced to the show, we got Pepe dressed as a little Mexican cowboy. Protect Pepe at all costs. Uh, Medusa, this is when she shows up, she drops the WWF Women's Championship in the trash, and she uh, even mentions her old name, Alundra Blaze, but that she's, you know, done with the World Wrestling Federation. She's looking for some real competition. And, you know, throughout all this, uh, Bobby Heenan looks pretty shocked. Well, Leif, what do you think about the, you know, I know we're, we kind of talked about it just a second ago, but, like, what did you think as far as, like, do you think this was disrespectful to the championship, to just sort of throw it away like that on live TV? Do you think that was say a low blow by wcw
1: i mean yeah it was disrespectful but it was purposely disrespectful like they weren't hiding that fact right like they're literally throwing the championship in the trash because that's how little they think of the wwe Mm -hmm. you know like there's that unimportant and honestly as like a female wrestler like it kind of makes sense because it's like they weren't giving her any competition. She barely right. had any matches. Women's wrestling
0: was certainly an
1: afterthought. So it, I mean, the women's championship was a joke.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I. It's
1: a it's a very like interesting moment like that. Like, kind of like a it's almost like a wake up call to to WWF like
0: in in some regards. Now, as somebody who who isn't as familiar with what's going to happen in, on say on Nitro and in WCW over the next couple months, other than you know we already know about Hogan and the NWO, do you think that WCW is going to give Medusa more of a fair shake, more of an opportunity than the WWF did?
1: You would hope so, but I don't know. It okay. doesn't seem likely. <laughs> Okay. It's not like they've been really promoting women's wrestling at WCW either. Right. And like, ha- what women's wrestlers do they have?
0: They haven't had any that we've seen that are specifically exclusive. We've right. seen some of the female New Japan talent. We got to see that at, what was it, World War Three?
1: And I, I think that's the bigger connection for um, Alundra Blaze is the the new Japan women, like the women there, because she did wrestle in Japan for a long time.
0: You know, it's not like she didn't have uh, some Japanese competitors in the WWF. You know, we've seen her face off against Bull uh, Nakano in the mm-hmm. WWF, and of course they uh, had the Survivor Series match. Boy, it's. Depressing to just only be able to refer to those two things, really. But, I mean, she, you know, had some Japanese talent to work with. You could do a lot worse than Aja Kong.
1: True, true. But it's, I think she had a lot more opportunities, even if we didn't see them, she had a lot right. more opportunities to make those connections and to, to get her career going mm-hmm. in Japan, which I think is where she did... A, she had a much more successful career yeah. there, because obviously they they are much more appreciative of women wrestling, and, and it's a bigger deal even at this point.
0: Oh yeah, I mean even even at this point, and especially because you know uh, y- you had such great talents like Manami Toyota, you mm-hmm. know we already mentioned Bull Nakano, uh Akira Hokuto, you know there there were some I, I've really even though like. I consider myself somebody who doesn't really delve into Japanese wrestling. And it's not because, like, um, I don't like it or anything. It's just, for me, there's a little bit too much of a barrier of entry. I will say I have enjoyed uh, the Joshi matches we have seen. Those have been mm-hmm. really solid wrestling. Some of the best matches we've watched throughout this 1995, without an right. Uh But... Uh, Back to the show, you know, we had some uh, basketball players a couple weeks before this, and now we get William the Refrigerator Perry. And he says he's going to protect the commentary booth. So kind of him. So kind. Now, that takes us to our first match, which is Ric Flair versus Eddie Guerrero. Guerrero gets no entrance, and there's a Hulk Hogan cosplayer in the front row. (laughs) Uh, Yeah
1: he gets into some stuff later I think yeah you mentioned
0: him uh, he's
1: to to try and get he wants to be a part of the show or he's been placed there to be obnoxious I'm not sure yeah. which
0: <laughs> certainly to try to make it seem that like if he was planted like maybe Hogan is more popular than uh, yes. it's, <laughs> it's what we would otherwise believe. But uh, the match between Flair and Eddie is actually pretty good. There's some good, impressive mat wrestling in this match. You
1: get some actually good storytelling. There's a lot of um, good ring psychology, which is
0: always fun. Yeah. Uh, Throughout this, uh, Bobby Heenan takes uh, a chance to predict that Sting is going to join the Dungeon of Doom. Leith, do, do you think Sting is a likely, uh, is likely to join the Dungeon of Doom at all? No. No. Okay. <laughs>
1: no, uh, no, it's, he, he's our Superman. He's not gonna. <laughs> he's not gonna go
0: that route. He wouldn't do that.
1: He, he's too much of a goody-goody. He is. There, there's a better chance of Hogan joining the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs>
0: But uh, we get some impressive high-flying uh, high maneuvers from Eddie in this match as well. We get to see a big tornado DDT and a springboard arm wrench head scissors. Uh, Ric Flair eventually gets Eddie Guerrero in the figure-four leg lock and uses the rope as leverage, but Eddie won't submit, and he passes out. Uh, and that's that's the match. Uh after this, Arn Anderson comes out looking like a youth football assistant coach. Just very, Arn Anderson always gives off dad energy, <laughs> right? Like he always looks like a dad.
1: Like if you're if you're casting him, yeah, he'd be the dad. He'd be a dad, but not like a like a goofy dad. He'd be like serious business. Yeah, like straight- he'd be.
0: He'd be kind of like a like an all-business kind of dad. So, he comes out, and he starts running down Paul Orndorff, and Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart eventually come out. Uh, Sullivan says that he respects Anderson and Ric Flair, but that Pillman is a loose cannon. And he says that uh, AA better keep Brian Pillman on a short leash. Arn says the Dungeon of Doom might get him and Flair if they come for Pillman. So we're getting some some tension between these two heel factions, the Dungeon of Doom and the Four Horsemen. Uh, Bischoff recounts everything so far, and we get uh, Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pitman out, and he's looking for a manager. And he, he goes before Bobby the Brain Heenan and asks him to manage him. Bobby says he doesn't manage anymore, but he'll help him out and sort of tries to point him in the right direction. So I guess we we wish Sergeant Craig Pittman the best of luck in his search for a manager. (sighs) Leith, what did you think of the segment?
1: Meh, whatever. Meh? Yeah, I didn't even think it was important enough to write anything about it.
0: Okay. (laughs) I was just,
1: yeah like, this will go nowhere. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> well, we get a... I was, like,
1: I was like, they needed to do something, fill some time, and it's not going to end up really doing anything with it.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly an attempt to build something maybe on the undercard, but, again, it's nothing really important. And speaking of nothing important, Lex Luger squashes uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell.
1: I never would have thought that... Bagwell
0: wouldn't have won that match. And the Oscar goes to... Uh, But after that, uh, we get some bickering back and forth between Heenan and Mongo, and Mean Gene interviewing Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger again. I don't know who wanted to keep putting a microphone in front of Lex Luger.
1: He has a manager. Let the manager talk for him.
0: That's what they're there for. That's what they're there for. Again, we, we refer to Luger as the uncrowned WCW heavyweight champion of the world. And Luger, of course, agrees with this sentiment and he wants to queue up a piece of footage and says if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, he'd be the champion. But the footage never actually gets played. Uh, We get a WCW Saturday night promo, Arn Anderson versus Johnny B. Bad with The Doll, VK Wall Street versus Alex Wright, and Cobra uh, versus Pittman, so sort of a a rematch of their match from earlier this year. Ooh. We then get... (laughs) I know, that was one of your favorite matches.
1: (laughs) I'm very down on WCW lately.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you're not
1: teasing me <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it hasn't been particularly good not that WWF has been much better but there are certainly some big misses from WCW mm-hmm. but we get Sting uh, with a short interview segment and Sting is definitely over you know, as far oh, as we, again, as we as we talked about, uh, Bisch uh, Bischoff is promoting again the the WCW uh, New Japan World Cup of Wrestling. Sting goes over Earl Robert Eaton with the Scorpion Deathlock, and Gene is in the ring interviewing Sting. Uh, Sting is looking to become a 6 time WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And as, as, you know, the interview is getting underway, we also get a promo for WCW Halloween Havoc, which will be available that Tuesday on VHS.
1: Oh, man.
0: Oh, man. Perfect for the home video collection.
1: Is is it going to be out in time for Christmas?
0: I would hope. Get it before everybody else does. Uh, And we get uh, the giant with Jimmy Hart and... Kevin Sullivan out, ready for their match. Savage comes out. Again, Savage is over, too.
1: Oh, of course. Like, who doesn't love Savage? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's somebody, but they're wrong.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, this this match, uh, the Giant is mostly in control. He actually goes at some point for a top rope splash and misses... Thankfully, not killing Randy Savage. But uh, this creates the opportunity for Savage and the patented Randy Savage elbow drop. But even that only gets a two count. And we get to see one of the... the, I think one of the highlights of WCW, and specifically the Giant in particular. He nails a dropkick of all things. (laughs) Which... That's impressive for a guy that big.
1: Yeah, when big dudes do drop kicks, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if they do them well.
0: And, and he does it pretty well. Uh, now, as, as the match continues, the Giant gets out to the outside and starts removing the floor mats and goes to suplex Randy Savage onto the concrete. But Savage counters, and the Giant falls on his back on the concrete. The Sav- uh, Randy Savage gets back in the ring. The giant hits a choke slam, but Hulk Hogan's out, and he attacks the giant with a chair. And as this is all going on, you know, we get a couple dozen refs out, and Hogan's attacking the refs with a chair. Uh, Perry, uh, William the Refrigerator Perry, and Mongo run to the ring, and they're holding Hogan back, like, no, Hogan, you're better than this, don't do this. (laughs) And we get Hogan chance. That doesn't sure. seem right. Uh, Hogan says a lot of people are on probation, uh, and he talks about you know Flair and the Giant are getting a title match, but what about Hogan? Mm. Mm. Again, just he really comes off like a spoiled baby here.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a weird weird look.
0: I don't yeah. know. Like but, why? Yeah. But uh the giant comes back out and he's being held back by uh Sullivan and and actually I think he's also being held back by Sergeant Craig Pittman. Hmm. Hmm. Who might have still, you know, just been there back. yeah.
1: Like, oh you showed up? Alright. <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: Help me hold this guy back. <laughs> Hogan says he's sick of probation and his name should be on that belt and that Randy Savage owes him a title shot. Again, just spoiled, man. Mm -hmm. Randy Savage says that Hogan... What?
1: Should all be... uh, Should be all about me.
0: Yeah. What about Hogan? Uh... (laughs) But uh, Savage says that Hogan went Looney Tunes and he promises that Hulk Hogan will get his match after Starcade. Hulk Hogan talks about how he respects Mongo and, and the refrigerator but doesn't want them getting in his way. And Savage wants the chair and says it's worth a fortune. Or you know, Because I guess they used it to beat up Ric Flair and a couple of other people. <laughs> And Mongo talks, you know, again. I'm just trying to save you, Hogan, brother. I gotta save you from yourself. Ay, ay, So Lioth, any, any other thoughts before we move on to Starcade? Uh Starcade next? Yes. Or no, I'm sorry, it's not Starcade. Excuse me, sir.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got
0: one more one more nitro. Any any other thoughts before we move on to this last nitro?
1: No, I'm good
0: Okay So hit us with those results, Leith
1: Alright, so we got Monday Night Raw It's Christmas, everyone Merry Christmas No?
0: Merry Christmas
1: (laughs) Nielsen rating of (laughs) 2.5 compared to WWF Monday Night Raw Which is not available Because apparently they did not do a Christmas episode That's right I don't know why not. Uh, Let's see. We're in Richmond County Civic Center in Augusta, Georgia. We have a singles match with Lex Luger with Jimmy Hart defeating Scotty Riggs. Singles match Sting defeating Big Bubba. Another singles match, Sting Malenko. Why am I, like, I wanted to say Delinko. (laughs) Defeating Mr. JL. What is wrong with me? Singles match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: I I swear I'm not drinking or anything. Okay, I'm tired. You are Randy,
0: you are a professional <laughs> podcaster.
1: Super professional. Randy Savage defeats Ric Flair with Jimmy Hart via DQ.
0: Mmm. DQ. We're not sponsored. <laughs>
1: But we could be. We could be.
0: <laughs> Dairy Queen. I will sell out so fast.
1: <laughs> Especially if they bring back the cotton candy blizzard. Hmm. Anyway. Uh
0: <laughs> Look, God willing, Joe Biden gets elected and my student loans get canceled. Because I guess that's part of his platform now, which is, you know, wonderful. But <laughs> even still, I like money. Dairy Queen. I will sell out so fast. Uh So, Leith, any any thoughts on this Christmas edition of WCW Monday Nitro?
1: Santa Pepe.
0: Santa Pepe!
1: (laughs) The most important thought of all.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yes, we get Pepe dressed as Santa, and we even get Eric Bischoff in an ugly Christmas sweater, and Heenan in an ugly Christmas sweater and a Santa hat. And of course, sorry? It said it's wonderful. It's great. Uh, Pepe wants to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And we have... He's such a good dog. The Uh, goodest
1: good boys.
0: The goodest good boys. It's WCW, where the goodest good boys play. Uh, there are Christmas decorations on the commentary booth, including some poinsettias up on the stage by the big metal WCW stage piece, and I'm sure that's great, considering all the pyro that also happens right there. <laughs> uh Petfire, It's fine. It's fine. Those are flame-retardant poinsettias. It'd be more dangerous if they weren't there. So we get Lex Luger out and Luger tries to, you know, do a big flex for the camera, but Jimmy Hart gets in his way, and that's probably the best Lex Luger segment ever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's Uh, the most like, I don't know, real
0: Luger (laughs) segment. We get, uh, again, Lex Luger versus Scotty Riggs. Kind of a bit of a squash match, uh, but there's some sort of Big B mascot in the front row. <laughs> you know, I know we we also still have the Hulk Hogan Cops, because this is the same arena. I think they taped this. Did uh, I have- yeah, I think they taped it. <clears throat> Which would make sense. Yeah, they-
1: yeah, they're both the, the Augusta, Georgia yeah. Civic Center. Oh, good. That meant the families like they did get to go home for
0: mm-hmm.
1: Christmas. <laughs> I was wondering about that, because that seemed kind of mean. Yeah. You're working on Christmas. <laughs> Get your families. You wrestle.
0: Well, now I just want to see a Christmas Carol, but with Sting and Eric B... Like, all the WCW wrestlers.
1: Yeah, it could work.
0: You got Sting as your, as your Jim Cratchit, Eric Bischoff as Ebenezer Scrooge, uh... Who would be the ghosts?
1: This might be a conversation
0: for another time. (laughs) This might be a conversation for another time. I'm surprised they didn't do this as a movie, honestly. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) Gene interviews Sting, and again, Gene's just trying to figure out what's up between him and Luger. Sting is tired, man. Luger's his friend, and he's just wanting to straighten him out.
1: Such a good friend.
0: Sting, buddy, you are in an abusive relationship. It is time you recognize the signs. Uh, but Sting talks about how badly he still wants to get a piece of flair, and he's putting New Japan on notice for the, the World Cup, and he's asking, you know, uh, or getting ready, rather, for his match against Big Bubba. So we got Big Bubba and Sting, and they have a little fun spot in the match where they're running the ropes and a little sort of contest. Uh, Big Bubba actually almost hits an enziguri, which is, again, pretty impressive for his size.
1: Right, right.
0: Uh, and and I put, I have this note here, which I think is, is something that's very interesting, and, and the note is, honestly, as someone who, again, knows very little about New Japan, I think I would have been more interested as a wrestling fan bringing more New Japan to professional wrestling to America than Hulk Hogan versus The Dungeon of Doom. Right. Because it's something different.
1: You would think, but. Yeah. What are you going to (laughs) do?
0: I also have a note here that Sting versus Owen Hart could have been a barn burner. Yeah,
1: that could have been
0: good. That could have been a really good match. Uh, Sting wins with a sort of messy, small package, so it's kind of an anticlimactic victory. Uh, We get to see a WCW Monday Nitro stocking. Uh, We then get Mean Gene again, interviewing Lex Luger and Jimmy Hart. Please stop, Gene.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, again, why is... Just let Jimmy Hart talk for you. Yeah. That's, that's why he's there.
0: But we at least get to see uh, Mean Gene in a Santa hat. So that's that's pretty good. Makes it worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. Lex Luger talks about how long he and Sting have been friends, which apparently their friendship goes back about ten years, and as the interview's getting underway... Uh, The interview gets interrupted by Sergeant Craig the Pitbull Pittman, who is again looking for a manager. And he pleads to to Jimmy Hart to manage him. And Jimmy Hart just takes this opportunity to to body shame uh, Craig Pittman. You ain't got what it takes. So mean. Yeah. He gives him a quarter and sends him on his way and tells him to call a manager in need of a few good men. Uh, we then get uh, the aforementioned Delinko, uh ready to take on Mr. JL, <sighs> and this is actually something that was really interesting because as Mr. JL is coming out, there's no Mister on the nameplate; it's just JL. So I don't mm-hmm. know if that was maybe like an error in the in the edit or what, but just they, like altering it. Yeah. At this point.
1: Change their minds.
0: Just a just an interesting kind of footnote. But- and, and
1: this is a fun thing is you get like like, in my opinion too, the best in the business at this point. You know, like very very solid wrestlers who really know what they're doing. And it's one of those things that made me wonder, like, if they were in their prime now. Where, like, when, like, cruiserweights are more accepted and you have programs, like, like with, like, AEW who uses a lot more smaller guys and stuff, like, where would these two be at this, like, nowadays, you know? Sure. like Would they still still be just mid-carters or would they have had more of a chance to to really rise in the business?
0: Right, exactly. And Malenko is such a unique cruiserweight, even even at this stage, too, because he's such... A technical wrestler.
1: Mhm.
0: He's not like a high flyer or anything, really.
1: No, which makes him just stand out even amongst the cruiserweights because mm. of that. Yeah. It's not. I mean, there's there's some smaller guys that that wrestle that style, but it's like.
0: It's it's especially. For sure. Yeah, and especially at this point, it's definitely few and far between. It's like, if you if you had to sort of, like, pick would it those... Would be, like, him,
1: and Taz, maybe?
0: Like, him, Taz, and maybe Benoit. Yeah,
1: Benoit, definitely, because, yeah, I think those three are the ones I was thinking of.
0: Like, Barrero at this time, is somebody who I would consider sort of, like, an all-arounder. He could yeah. do the high-flying and the technical stuff, but if we're talking just technical, it would probably only really be those three guys. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, But uh, as this is all going on, you know, it's solid cruiserweight action. Uh, We get Eric Bischoff talking a little bit, again, about Medusa and what happened. And you can kind of sort of make out uh, Bobby Heenan, you know, kind of muttering quietly about her throwing the belt out. I don't know if Heenan's ever, like, gone on record or anything about that particular uh, segment. But it definitely, from, from this, sounds like he thought it was too much, like it was too disrespectful,
1: mm.
0: which I think makes sense. You know, he's from a much older school than a lot of other people in that company.
1: Right, right. Uh,
0: but Malenko gets the win. He gets a stomach crusher from the top rope, which is sort of a, a Malenko signature, and it's just absolutely nasty looking. And he, gets a, he locks in a pretty solid leg hold. And as they're replaying the the submission victory, Bobby Heenan says there's more legs there than at a pantyhose convention. But don't bounce. I mean, it beats jokes about redheaded stepchilds and children. Red, yeah re- uh, red. I can talk. Redheaded <laughs> stepchildren and rice cakes, right?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Certainly, certainly better than that. Uh, We then cut to uh, a segment where Mean Gene is interviewing Ric Flair. And Jimmy Hart, of all people, comes out. And he's trying to get Ric Flair's attention. Says he apologizes for Kevin Sullivan's behavior last week. And that Ric Flair saved his life. And that he wants to accompany Ric Flair for his match tonight to repay the life debt. So... That brings us to our match with Ric Flair and Randy Savage. And I just have it here like in all caps, Savage's outfit. His outfit was pretty great. But there's really not a bad Randy Savage outfit.
1: That's true.
0: You cannot point to one. Don't Um, even try it. Yeah. Well, if we learn anything from Randy Savage it's that what we need to bring back is t-shirt sleeve French that's what the world needs more because uh, those are pretty great
1: Yeah, you get the, the peekaboo muscles then you know mm. it's like
0: is he really built I don't know is he built or could he just be fat <laughs> I'll, I'll answer it for you for me I'm fat. But that's okay. I'm starting to hit the gym again.
1: Good job, man. Hooray.
0: Uh, (laughs) But uh, as as this is all going on, Eric Bischoff is stressing the importance of ordering Starcade, and Heenan is stressing the unpredictability of celebrities showing up. You know, who's going to show up next in WCW? Because, of course, again, we've had uh, some, some big basketball players, some big football players. Uh, Eric Bischoff actually says that Hank Williams Jr. is a big WCW fan. Okay. I don't know how much I believe that. Uh, sure. Sure. Leith, do you have a favorite Hank Williams Jr. song? Nope. Nope. Okay.
1: Not my not my jams.
0: Not your jams.
1: Now you ask me about Nelly, I could.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, delightful. <laughs> well, anyway, back to our back to our match. Uh, Randy Savage actually manages to lock Ric Flair in a figure four leg lock pretty early in the match. Uh, but Jimmy Hart again out there on the outside, he helps Flair get to the tries to help Ric Flair get to the ropes, but Randy Anderson stops it. And Ric Flair of course is selling all of this like a champ. I mean, Flair can sell for days. Yeah, and it's it's usually pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Flair uh, goes for a figure four of his own, and Randy Savage counters it into a pin. Uh, we cut to commercial, we get a Starcade promo, and we get to see the WCW Nitro set with a big candy cane. Uh, we get to see some little kids cheering Randy Savage on, and Randy Savage grabs a chair, but again, Randy Anderson being the consummate professional stops it. Savage manages to ultimately wrestle a better match with one arm than most people do with two. And speaking of people who can't wrestle a match with two arms, Lex Luger comes out. Hmm. And he's attacking Randy Savage. This means I not
1: understand why more people would come out on at this match. What?
0: He's not in it. This never happens. Never. This certainly hasn't happened three weeks in a row. (laughs) But this brings Sting out, and of course we don't know who Sting is there to help. Is he there to help Randy Savage? Is Is he there to help Lex Luger? Doesn't matter. He's wrestling Ric Flair. Okay. And we end the show With Sting and Randy Savage having some words.
1: Are they kind words? Angry words? Probably. Words about snacks.
0: Maybe snacks. I mean, Savage is a an official spokesperson for Slim Jims.
1: Right, right. Back Uh, when you could actually snap into one.
0: When you could snap into. Can you not snap into them?
1: They're not so snappy anymore now. They're not as snappy. I I think they use less plastic, to be honest. I'm not sure. (laughs) The casing definitely had a more plasticky texture back in the 90s. Look,
0: there are two things you will never hear me complain about, and that is the taste of Taco Bell and the taste of Slim Jims. Doesn't matter if it tastes bad. I know what I'm getting into. (laughs) I've already made the decision.
1: We're Americans. We don't eat real food anyway.
0: Yeah. It's fine. We really <laughs> it's all don't. Chemicals. It's all good. Chemicals are good for you. That's chemistry. That's just science.
1: What is a Pop Tart? I don't know. It's
0: fine. <laughs> uh, delicious? Comes is... from
1: the Pop Tart
0: Fairy. <laughs> Leah, what's your favorite kind of Pop Tart?
1: Brown sugar cinnamon.
0: Okay. A little basic,
1: but it's cool. I'm not a huge fan of them, because they do taste odd to me overall. Because I'm like, what is this that I'm eating? This is not (laughs) food. (laughs)
0: Like your body just kind of wants to reject it outright.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah, I I like the brown sugar cinnamon ones, too. Uh, I'm a bigger fan of the s'mores ones.
1: See, that sounds nasty to me, but I like s'mores in general. Other s'mores stuff.
0: They're pretty good. Uh, I think one of the best ones you can get is a seasonal one. And they've been doing it uh, around Christmas time for a couple years. And that's the gingerbread one.
1: I did not know that was a thing.
0: Yeah. Next time you're out, I would highly recommend looking for it. Especially if you like the brown sugar cinnamon. You would probably dig the gingerbread one. Uh, But Christmas Pop-Tarts aside... Hey, it still ties into what we're talking about, because it's December of 1995, right? Sure. That brings us to WCW Starcade 1995, the World Cup of Wrestling. Now, of course, if you want to hear us cover this in long form, go check out our watch-along episode of this. So let's uh, hit some of that. So we've got the venue for WCW Starcade 1995, the World Cup of Wrestling, is the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. The attendance is 8,200 people earning $83,855, a buy rate of 0.35, which translates to 113,314 buys, and at $24.95 per buy, That's uh, $2,827,184.30 for a total box office of $2,911,039.30. Compared to WWF in your house five seasons beatings, 911 more people attended WCW Starcade 1995, the World Cup of Wrestling but WCW earned $16,145 less than WWF in your House 5 Seasons beatings. The buy rate, WCW Starcade 1995, the World Cup of Wrestling, earned 0.1 more buys, a total of 3,148 more buys than WWF in your House 5 Seasons beatings, earning $1, $1,180,202.60 more. And our total box office is WCW Starcade 1995, the World Cup of Wrestling, earned $1, $1,164,057.60 more for its total box office than WWF In Your House Five Seasons beatings. Our match results, we have a singles match in the World Cup of Wrestling, Jushin Thunder Liger with Sonny Ono defeating Chris Benoit. A singles match in the World Cup of Wrestling, Koji Kanemoto with Sonny Ono defeating Alex Wright. Singles match in the World Cup of Wrestling, Lex Luger with Jimmy Hart defeating Masahiro Chono with Sonny Ono for uh, WCW's first victory in the World Cup of Wrestling. Singles match in the World Cup of Wrestling Johnny B. Bad with the Diamond Doll Defeating Masa Saito with Sonny Ono Via DQ Singles match in the World Cup of Wrestling Shinjiro Otani with Sonny Ono Defeating Eddie Guerrero Singles match in the World Cup of Wrestling Randy Savage defeating Hiroshi Tenzan With Sonny Ono And a singles match in the World Cup of Wrestling Sting defeats Kinsuke Sasaki With Sonny Ono To win the WCW World Cup of Wrestling. Our final score, New Japan Professional Wrestling, 3 points. World Championship Wrestling, 4 points. As we touched on, WCW is the winner of the first and only World Cup of Wrestling. Which was cool. It's a cool concept,
1: certainly. I should have done it like annually. Yeah. That would have been better.
0: That would have been something. It's but like the
1: one really cool thing WCW had going for them.
0: Would you say that this is your most favorite WCW New Japan pro wrestling interaction that you've seen so far for this for nineteen
1: ninety five? Uh possibly.
0: Okay. Okay. And I'm sure we'll certainly get into that as we when we do our year wrap up.
1: The, the collision
0: in Korea was really cool. Yeah. Again, certainly a, a really cool concept. Uh, the next match is a triangle match for the number one contendership of the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Ric Flair defeats Lex Luger and Sting by countout. And in your main event for WCW Starcade 1995, the World Cup of Wrestling, Ric Flair with Jimmy Hart defeats Randy Savage for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Now, Leith, what did you think of this particular pay-per-view? Uh,
1: if I remember, overall, it was pretty decent. There's a lot of really cool stuff, but I mean, you're going to get that anytime you get a mixture of, like, like for some reason, whenever you bring in new Japan people to, like, mix with, like, U.S. wrestlers, you get mm-hmm. some really interesting matchups. I,
0: I think it's certainly something, like you said, it's, it's a very interesting matchup, and the, the other side of it, too, is it's it's so different than anything else that was going on.
1: Right. It's, it's not something you got to see much of. Like, back then, especially, it was really hard because you're going to be doing, like, tape trading and stuff to see mm. anything. Like, there's not, like, I can't just go online or I can't go on, like, like I'll go on Instagram and try to catch somebody's, like, match or whatever, you know, or, right. like, a link to their YouTube. It, it You didn't have that back then, so to see any of these guys was, like so hard
0: (laughs) yeah and I think
1: a really unique experience for the time period
0: absolutely and I think on top of that you certainly saw these wrestlers from, from different companies managing to bring the best out in one another
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, the the Johnny B. Bad match might have been the the worst out of all these matches, but it was only because it was paced. So, like, it wasn't paced very well, and it went on too long.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult, too, because they're not speaking the same language. So getting, like matches together, and sometimes, like, even just, like, oh, like, in one country they start on the right leg for everything, in another they start on the left leg for everything. Like, there's mm-hmm. certain certain things like that that sometimes can throw things off. Right. So it might just have been a case of, like, like just poor communication or it was just too difficult to communicate or whatever might have happened. there's all kinds of reasons why the, those things could, uh... Mm-hmm. Kind of go. I wouldn't say go wrong, but like pacing might be weird, or it might be like you know it's taking longer for them to, to communicate, or try mm-hmm. to figure out what the next spot should be, or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and, and I think it, even out of all this, you know the, the Johnny B. Bad match. You know we mentioned maybe the the worst match out of the World Cup, but I think the worst match on the card, honestly, is maybe the the triangle match.
1: Yeah, that was weird.
0: Because it's got such a, a weird setup, like only two combatants in the ring at a time. You have to tag out. And then on top of that to have the match sort of end in a disquali or not disqualification, a count out, which is pretty anticlimactic for what's supposed to be, you know, your your big pay per view event of the year. And it all ends via count-out because Lex Luger is holding Sting, literally preventing him from getting in the ring.
1: Yeah, like, it just... How is that ever going to work?
0: Like, it doesn't just cost Sting the match, it costs Luger the match, himself, you know, too.
1: Right. Is it isn't? It's just one of those things that I think they they put it down on paper and like, oh, this is cool, it's unique, it's different, and then it just didn't pan out the way they they were hoping it would, is what I got from it. Yeah,
0: like, maybe they were kind of hoping, like, this is going to further the narrative between Sting and Lex Luger and kind of muddy the waters a little bit, right, and further that story, but it just, again, it was just bad. And this is despite the fact that, you know, we've <laughs> we haven't been particularly kind to Lex Luger on on any of our episodes, but I think if you go back and watch his match as part of the World Cup of Wrestling, this is certainly the most over he's been. You know, the crowd was into him. Uh, yeah. So, the, the only other thing that's really of note here with uh, the... Uh, WCW Starcade 1995 World Cup of Wrestling is that this pay-per-view, uh, Tony Schiavone works on pushing a narrative that Bobby Heenan has sold out to Japan, mm-hmm. and they also uh, sort of tease that uh, Sony Ono might be interested in buying World Championship Wrestling. So they're kind of teasing these ideas of, you know. A, someone sort of selling out to a different promotion and maybe even some sort of invasion. Uh, here, so that's pretty interesting. So Leith, what did you think of WCW, December nineteen
1: ninety five? Yeah, I mean overall it was pretty meh. <laughs> I pretty feel like 90- they they lost a little bit of what they're trying to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if there was a a lot of, like, maybe there was more changes going on behind the scenes or, sure. or you know, like, a lot of the stories seemed a little muddied. Mm-hmm.
0: And it certainly, like, didn't serve Randy Savage any good to have him, you know, okay, he's going to defend the World Heavyweight Championship. We're going to have these title defenses on Monday Nitro. Like, that's cool. That's going to bring people to the to your show. But to have every single one of them end in a DQ doesn't make him look particularly strong. Yeah,
1: it's... It feels like they're, like, running out of ideas or something for the most part, like... Yeah. all these matches keep ending the same way and it's like the same outcomes and you know who's going to win ahead of time and if you don't know who's going to win then you know it's going to be like a DQ or they're just not going to finish or yeah, whatever. Yeah,
0: something, something that's overbooked. Shenanigans,
1: and... shenanigans more shenanigans which is fine every once in a while but it's been like every single big match they've had
0: <laughs> Yeah, every single Nitro this month ends in some way like that.
1: And I I don't... Like, ECW does the same thing, but for some reason in that setting, because ECW in itself is so chaotic, it works for Mm -hmm. them. Whereas, like, this just feels like they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're trying to kind of copy the ECW vibe a little bit of that, that chaotic frenzy that seems to happen over there, but it just... I don't know. It doesn't play off correctly. Or yeah, I, possibly the way they they hoped it
0: would. What I'll say about this is, I don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna give WCW the benefit of the doubt here and say I don't think they were necessarily trying to copy anything ECW was doing, but mm-hmm. I do think they were trying to give Nitro an unpredictable sort of vibe, like you you know. We want you to feel like you have to tune in, because right. otherwise you're gonna miss whatever the big thing's gonna be, right? But yeah, it's
1: like they're like, oh, what celebrity might show up?
0: Right, but because Who's be next? but because every single Nitro, the ending is something that's overbooked and you've got everybody out, like it just becomes exhausting. And mm-hmm. Like you said, it sort of lacks direction, and it just kind of, you know, it feels overdone.
1: And if they're they're trying to feel unpredictable, it ends up being the opposite, because we know that...
0: That's going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a chaotic finish with all the... the, And it's always the same cast of characters coming out. It's Mm -hmm. not like things change up and new, you know, like, feuds start or anything. It's always the same groups, like... It's not overly surprising. I guess they, they keep trying to push the, like, oh, what's Sting going to do? But we all know what Sting's going to do, because he's Sting.
0: Sting, at this point, is kind of, he's kind of a himbo. He's just too good and dumb for his own good.
1: Yeah, and it's like, nobody's going to buy into a narrative where, like, Sting's going to turn to the dark side kind of thing. Like, it's just not going to happen. Right. Right. Like, he's too goody-goody, like, I'm just trying to make my friend, you know, better. Like, he's obviously mm. gone the wrong way. So it's like, if they would have made it seem like, oh, which way is Luger gonna go, then I'd be like, a little more able to buy into it. Because right. we don't know if Luger's gonna turn back or stay heel, or... Whereas, like, Sting, there's nothing... Nobody's gonna turn staying. like, come on.
0: And it's really <laughs> just... It really just makes Sting look like a doorman.
1: Yeah, and it's... Like, he just feels sorry for him. Like, this poor guy... He just wants his friends to all get along and have a good time at his party. There's a party now, I've decided. It's, it's a party. It's like Sting's birthday party and wants all his friends there, but they're like two different groups of friends and they're not getting along too well. <laughs>
0: There ain't no party like a Sting party, because a Sting party don't stop.
1: And then his one friend invites all these guys who are, like, jerks. <laughs> he fights with his other friends, and he's like, but it's my birthday, man.
0: <laughs> Why do you invite all these goth jerks?
1: They just wanted some
0: cake. <sighs> just want to spend spend the time with my friends, man. <laughs>
1: Uh anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I think we can we can wrap WCW 1995 up. Uh, well, yeah, actually 1995 up because this is the last month of 1995. So yeah. what we're going to do is uh, you know, keep uh keep your eyes out because up next we'll have our WWF Or WWE December 1995 episode, and we're also going to do, of course, an ECW December 1995 episode. After that, uh, Leith and I, uh, you know, we've talked about it a little bit. We are going to be doing a 1995 in review sort of uh, episode where we just kind of, you know, talk about our thoughts about the the year as a whole, maybe some of our favorite moments or matches. Uh, maybe even kind of do our, our own awards for 1995. So that'll be a lot of fun. And, of course, if you ever want to be a part of the show, you can uh, follow us on Twitter. You know, we're always looking for people to, to interact. We want you to, to comment and ask us questions and, and definitely be a part of the show. And you can also email the show at thewrestlingtimemachine at gmail.com. And we'll read your emails live on the air. Uh, Leith, anything else you wanna you wanna say before we close out the show?
1: Uh, no, I think I'm I'm good for now.
0: Okay. Okay. Well,
1: um, we might have to update some of my my social media stuff. <laughs> uh, I did leave Twitter, so you won't find me there anymore. Um, obviously, you can still contact the show, but.
0: uh yeah. Always. It
1: got a little too. Uh, Toxic over there, <laughs> I will say.
0: Twitter can definitely be toxic at times.
1: Yeah, I, I, I have too much on my plate as it is to <laughs> to get into all that.
0: So yeah, but, but
1: I'm still on Instagram. I'm that's where I've been posting most of my art. So I can, I'll tell Bobby the name and we can sort that out.
0: Absolutely. We'll definitely work on on getting that updated for the intro. Uh, We want to thank everybody for for joining us. We hope you have a great uh, I suppose upcoming uh, hope you have a great Halloween. And make sure you're wearing your masks correctly.
1: Over your nose! Otherwise, don't even wear it if you're not going to bother putting it over your nose.
0: And uh, (laughs) As always, Black Lives Matter. uh, Trans Lives Matter. Please make sure uh, you vote in this upcoming election. That's very important. And also, uh, please don't forget to check out the show notes where we'll have some uh, links and, and information on how you can help uh, some of the people who are really hurting right now. And as always, Leah, it's been a pleasure. Bye, everybody.
1: See ya. I'm glad you decided to buy this place. I'm sure that you and your kids will be very happy here.
0: Every house has secrets.
1: Everybody in town thinks the place is haunted.
0: But what happened in this house, little Alan Parrish, he just vanished about uh, 25 years ago, is a mystery that began a long time ago when Alan Parrish was just a young boy who made an incredible discovery. Manji, you want to play? Ellen, look. In the jungle, you must wait until the dice read five or eight. What's happening to you? Twenty-six years later, Peter and Judy Shepard are about to play the same game. an incredible discovery <laughs> of their own. Are you Alan Parrish?
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Everyone thought you were dead.
0: No, never shaved before. they must roll the dice. You're playing the game I started in 1969. I'm gonna have to play. and finish the game together. It's not my turn. Whose turn is it? Sarah Whittle. 26 years ago, we started playing a little game. Whoa, God, sir! No. I spent over 2,000
1: hours in therapy convincing myself that it doesn't exist. Sarah,
0: Sarah, we're all gonna sit down, we're gonna finish it. Extraordinary events unfolding in Brantford, New Hampshire. TriStar Pictures presents Robin Williams.